everyone, I'm Cheryl McNeil Fisher. My co-host Kathy King and I want to welcome you to Writing Works Wonders. We want you to feel encouraged and inspired and know the wonder of writing. We are so glad you're here with us. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Writing Works Wonders. Welcome back to Writing Works Wonders podcast and the Mucky Duck Irish Pub. I'm Kathy King and my co-host Cheryl McNeil Fisher and I are thrilled you've joined us for this historical event. You're in for a rare treat today. Our guest is Patrick Taylor, the author of the Irish Country Doctor series. Patrick Taylor was gracious enough to spend over an hour with us at Writing Works Wonders. And so we've split this interview and question and answer session into two episodes. In this episode, part two, you'll hear him respond to many readers that ask questions about the writing of his series and thank him for his work. There are many lessons embedded in this episode, and we also are treated to some of his gentle humor and his great generosity. In part one, you'll not only get to hear Dr. Taylor reveal secrets about his writing and editing process, but you'll also hear him read a classic humorous scene from one of his most famous novels. Visit our website if you would like to listen to all of it in one file. The direct link is in our show notes. Let's join the discussion in progress now. That's called the Irish right. Washerwoman. Yes. yes, it is. The Washerwoman, yes. yes. That's why I picked that one. I figured people might know it. Yeah. In my youth, I played the bagpipes. Ah. Yeah, I love yeah. that. Quite a few of your characters did, too. Mm. Very nice. Yeah. Okay, so question and answer. Ask Patrick a question or comment, etc. Hello, it's nice to meet you, Patrick. I've heard so much about you leading up to the interview, and I haven't read any of your books yet, but I'll be interested to do so. I like the way you tease things out as the breadcrumb trail. But I was wondering, do you have to read your books in order? Do they build on each other as some books do, or can you read them in any order? You can read them in any order. Once I realized I was locked into a series, I made sure that each book was freestanding. If you read them from book one, which is an Irish country doctor. There is a logical sequence that flows through them. But I got a bit bored with Northern Ireland, so I thought I'd tell Dr. O'Reilly's backstory, which includes the fact he was a medical student in Dublin in the 1930s, and he spent a year practicing as a GP in Dublin before he moved north. In those books, you go and you read a bit about Ballybuckle Bowl now, and then you flash back to 1930s. I also had a weakness of mine, an interest in naval history. In book one, I had actually set Dr. O'Reilly as a medical officer on a famous British battleship. Mm. He and my father were contemporaries. I mean, the doctor mm. I'm talking about were contemporaries. I used to do locums for this old doctor, and he's not O'Reilly, but I used his house as the setting. And in that house, there was a photograph of the famous battleship. So in book one, I made it that O'Reilly had served on that battleship. So two of the books cover his war service, his first wife, which you know from book one, is that he's a widower and what happened to her. And then in the very last book I wrote, I go back to Barry's medical student days at the Royal Victoria Hospital in Belfast. Something of a maze when you get in there. Thank you. 
Hallie Turry. Love your books. And I'm, I'm reading the Irish Country Welcome book right now. And although I think all your books are great, I think this is one of the better ones. I really am enjoying it a lot. Is there another book after an Irish Country Welcome? That's book 15. Yes. No, there, there are no more novels. I will be 80 in August. No, that's yeah, a dirty, uh, rotten lie. You sound <laughs> wonderful. No, but the point, the problem here is twofold. I'd like to write another book, but if you're reading Welcome, I had a bit of a fight with my editor because she wanted me to take out the politics of the time. Now, 1970 was when the wheels fell off Northern Ireland. I can no more ignore that than somebody writing in Manhattan could ignore the Twin Towers when it happened. So I, I won the fight. So it's in there, as you know. Uh, unfortunately, any further books are going to have to get even deeper into that. And I really don't want to. Don't have a syndicate and get somebody else to write them. Nobody can do it like you. It, I don't need glossary. I have friends from Ireland. So anybody who doesn't have an understanding of a word, write me. I can probably tell you. <laughs> <laughs> the, other, the other snag with it, no more books is that uh, I, I play a little game that I call medical whodunits. And I'll take a patient to the GP's office and the GP will take the history and examine the patient and say, well, could be this, could be that, could be the other damn thing. Then they do a bunch of tests and narrow it down. But of course, the reader wants to know what happens next. Another serious snag is that in 1964, the Irish GP, uh, he'd only just stopped taking out appendices in the kitchen table. By 1970, most GPs, because of the National Health Service, had turned into triage officers. And anything more serious than, you know, to sprained ankle or the head cold was sent to the appropriate specimen. Mm -hmm. I can't make my point of view characters work that way. Thank you so much, sir. You have a wonderful day, and it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Dr. Taylor, it's a pleasure to speak with you. I adore every one of your books. I just can't tell you how you're, you're absolutely my favorite, favorite author. Probably, you know, thinking of all the funny scenes, probably my, one of my favorites was when Donald colored the dog, his greyhound, so that nobody would recognize it. And then it rained and all of the die. I don't think I've ever laughed so hard. So many funny scenes. I also love the fact that when Barry and his wife weren't able to uh, conceive that they went mm -hmm. to a wonderful uh, GYN that they met. And his name was uh, Patrick Taylor. They went to see Graham Harley. Graham Harley was my hero. He's why I did obstetrics and gynecology. He was just a perfect, perfect man. And he wanted a laparoscopy done for Sue. And it is historically accurate that I think I was the first person to do a laparoscopy in the north of Ireland. So I worked myself into that book just for that little bit of technical detail. You're right. <laughs> Right. And my, my question, I, I, unfortunately, you've already answered it where you said there's no more books, because that was my big question was, when can we, when can we read another book? Uh, but I wonder, did you move to Canada as, in response to all of the unrest that was going on in Ireland? And It's hard for North Americans to understand the system in the United Kingdom of being a specialist. You train for a number, four years, you pass your exams. Now, in America, you then apply to a hospital for privileges and you hang up your shingle. The National Health Service is a hierarchical structure and the top position is a consultant and there are a limited number of consultant posts. And the system trains far more juniors than there'll ever be consultant posts for. And the year I was hoping to get 
a post in the teaching hospital. I was told I was being sent to a very second-rate country hospital in the midst of the, a place called Londonderry. It was in flames. I had just got married. I had an 18-month-old child. I felt I had no professional prospects in it. I didn't see this business in Ireland being over for tens of years. So I emigrated. So have, have you ever wished to, to move back? I did go back for two years. Um, yeah. I remarried an Irish girl. And we went back there for two years. And we lived in the Republic of Ireland. And then my financial advisor thought I'd do better financially by coming back to Canada. Um, so I did go back around for two years. I don't think I could live there anymore. It, mm. I know Canada better than I know Ireland. Well, I can understand that. Well, thank you so very much. I, I, it's such an honor mm. to talk with you, and I love your book so very, very much. And my, uh, my great-grandmother's from County Cork, so <laughs> Flanagan. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Eva? Hello. Um, what an honor it is to have you here, uh, Mr. Taylor. Um, I have a question, I guess, but you've kind of answered the same thing about not writing um, any other novels. Have you considered the, um, the youth or maybe the children's market with maybe something short and kind of fun about Laverty or O'Reilly's childhood or their youth in their teen years? Uh, no, I haven't, actually. It's an interesting concept. In the novella that I've just finished, there, there is a central character who is a little girl, chicken pox, and she doesn't look like she's going to get to see Santa Claus. That's what I'm telling you, I have to buy it. <laughs> so I did, I did try to write a children's book. It was a disaster. It, I mean, oh, okay. You write children's books have got very different skill sets to me. So I'd rather not go down as having written a disastrous children's book. <laughs> I understand. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Abby Taylor. Yes. Hello. Hello, Patrick. My name is Abby Taylor. Uh, I just <laughs> love the language in your books. I find from time to time when I feel a need to swear, instead of using the four letter S word that we use here in the United States, I often find myself saying, oh, shite. <laughs> and I also love the phrase, holy thundering mother of God. Uh, I've never had an occasion to use it, but I love it anyway. So my question is this, and you partially answered that, I think somebody else asked, uh, the last book in your series I read was an Irish country cottage. So does the Irish country welcome come after that one or is there another one in between? It's Irish country cottage, then there's Irish country family. Oh, okay. Uh, so and then, oh, heaven help me, I'm behind then. Okay. And then there's, then there's welcome. I mean, they're 15. All they're right. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, Abby. Uh, Mary Tyson. Hi, Dr. Taylor. What a pleasure. I love your book so much. I tell everybody they should read them. And I just want to say, I think I love the most Donald Donnelly. I think he's just a wonderful, wonderful character. I, I do love them all, and I don't have any questions except to thank you. I have kept all of your books. I reread them and reread them. They bring me such joy. And when things are so tumultuous, and like you said, your books are your best friends. And I will read those anytime that I need a smile. 
And I just thank you so much. In hearing your voice now, I will always hear it reading those books to me. So thank you, thank you, thank you. You're very, very kind. Now make another confession. There's a book I'm very fond of called Tales of an Irish R.M. Stands for Resident Magistrate. It was certainly showed on PBS in the States. It was written by two women, Somerville and Ross. And they have a character in that called Flurry Knox. And Donald has a touch of the Flurry Knoxes about him. So if you want another Irish author, take a look at an Irish country RM. I think you'll enjoy it. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Thank you. Angie Apetta? Annie Chipetta. Hi, Dr. Hi. Taylor. How are you? Within the meaning of the act, to say, Adrian, I'm fine. Thank you. <laughs> Wonderful. As I know, people from across the pond, they say just grand. I love that. I have a question for you about what books that you read or you go back to that help you get inspired or find comfort from or get a oh, chuckle out of. Uh, since I started writing fiction myself, I have read virtually nothing uh, by modern fiction writers. Uh, my embarrassment is that all of them are so much better than I am. I'm also a terrible mimic reading. If I start reading other people, their voice starts creeping into mine. And I, I can't afford that. I have to be me. So I read a great deal of nonfiction. A year ago, Dorothy bought me a Kobo. It's a wonderful thing. Yes. And I have just revisited some of my favorite authors from my boyhood. I read Damon Runyon's collected short stories. That man killed me. I mean, he's just as relevant today as he was in the 60s when I read him. I have a favorite hero called Horatio Hornblower, who is a sea captain during the Napoleonic Wars. And he yes. always takes to sea with him Gibbon's decline and fall of the Roman Empire. And last year, 2020, when things were bubbling a bit in your country, I thought I should educate myself about fall of empires. So I, I read Gibbon. It's quite a fascinating read. There's a movie out there called The Shawshank Redemption. Yes. The, the character Andy persuades the government to give him some books so he can start a little library in the prison. And the really thick character says to him, I have a book here by Alexandre Damas. It's called The Count of Monte Cristo. <laughs> and Andy says, put it, in, put it in educational. It's about a jailbreak. <laughs> I remember that, yes. I've never read The Count of Monte Cristo. Um, I actually, have, my ed old editor has a program. The Count of Monte Cristo is more than 400,000 words. My books run about 110,000. So, let <laughs> be honest. And I reread Moby Dick, which fascinated me when I was young. I was, I was disappointed in it. This it's an awful catalogue. It's as bad as Jules Verne, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, where he keeps cataloguing every blooming marine creature he sees, and the story <laughs> stops dead. So I like stories that move it. I love your critiques. Thank you so much. Thank you, Thank you for being here today. Thank you. I'd be lost without my books. I really Terry Pacheco. Yes, of course, Terry. Good afternoon, everyone. Dr. Taylor, I am just so delighted that this has all worked out. Kathy, I'm so glad you were on that program that I did in March. Mm -hmm. And this has just been a great honor to be able to listen to and watch <laughs> Dr. Taylor. You know, the one thing about your books that has always, that I've always enjoyed so much is your characters, because I think we can all relate 
somebody we know in our lives to one of the characters. And since they're all so, I'm not sure upbeat is the right word. I had a dear friend from County Donegal, actually, who is Donald from the get-go. <laughs> You know, and, and it's just, and, and that's somebody from my past. And to me, your books have just brought so much of my own memories back to me. My family's incredibly Irish. The Pacheco, we allowed a Portuguese into the family. <laughs> I just so enjoy your books. And I know so many people on here have gotten to the chance to read some of them. And I thank you so much. And I am so sorry that Welcome was the last one. Yeah, I just good question. Sure. Are you by any chance from Boston or New England? I was born a half a mile from Harvard Square. I heard you, say, you said March, and that gave you a <laughs> you have to remember, You have to remember in Ireland, with our sectarian trouble, an ear mm. sense is actually a survival trait. You know, I, I mean that. You hear, you hear a certain accent and you say, I don't want to get too close to that guy. He's probably IRA. Hi, Patrick. It's... Amy, and I'm from Canada. I'm just wondering, I just finished a novel, like just first draft, and I'd like to make it a standalone as well, but also with continuing characters. How much do you find when you introduce that you need to rewrite at the beginning to continue the story of your previous book, to introduce your characters so that your your people don't get bored of, the people that read the previous novel don't get bored, but it's still a standalone. I don't think I make any violent effort to relate the subsequent novels with the one that's gone before. What I do is I leave some stories open-ended as I, in the previous novel that I can pick up. Uh, I hope my characters become instantly apparent in the first few chapters of who they are and how they behave. The descriptions of the village, well, every book has got background passages in it, so I don't really need to change those. So I don't sort of write a prologue that says, you may remember this happened in the last book. I just get on. This is your first novel. I wish you the very best of luck with it. It's a Got incredibly lucky by various knowing the right people who helped me with my career. <laughs> it's a, it's a, yeah. Just trying to get an agent is, is drawing teeth without an anesthetic. It's murder. Yeah. You're very best of luck. Not sure mm. how it's going to work, but you, you know. Do know you do know what to do, don't mm. you? You don't need to tell me what your novel is about, but go to a bookstore and look for your subject and see what publisher. It likes to publish that kind of stuff. Mm. Then you need to write a letter of inquiry. Mm. You need to have a synopsis of your novel. You need to have a personal biography of what you have written in the past. And you shoot it off. Thanks for your advice. I, I just didn't want to tell the reader too much. And I'm the same. I have an idea of maybe where I want to go with the book, but it just develops as I write. Amy, this is Kathy. I would recommend that you look at a couple of Patrick's books if you haven't already. One thing that I've noticed with his writing is that he uses predictive what I would call predictive phrases for his characters that like clues you in to certain characteristics when he's introducing mm. those characters and they're consistent across the different books of the series. And so we know when he says one sock stood at half mass, that that's Colin Brown. And we know that when he's talking about 
Maggie that she might or might not have her false teeth in depending if it's a formal <laughs> event or not or if it's casual and there's certain characteristics that he's always talking about like he mentioned uh, the white the tip of Dr. O'Reilly's nose getting white I can't tell you how many times that's mentioned but we come to love those characteristics because they're predictable and it makes the mm. characters like family members and I think mm -hmm. that's one of the clues you might be looking for. At least I, as an author, noticed that mm -hmm. very much. He's very consistent with certain phrases and characteristics that carry mm -hmm. across the books. That might be helpful. Yeah, and setting a precedence for that, I guess, is, is what I'm looking for. I got to find that balance, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. This was thank a good you. surprise for me. Donna Sawaski. Great. Dr. Taylor, I'm so happy. I was surprised uh, to find out about this meeting. I found out about it just a couple of minutes before it started, and I'm so delighted that I did. I would have been brokenhearted had I The first book that I read was the Irish country Christmas. Mm -hmm. And the books are, uh, they, they do continue, of course, that's the third one in the series, but they can be read alone. Of course, when I read that book that I wanted to find out about the Irish country doctor and the Irish country village. And I have to say that one of the things that I loved about the book, Irish Country Christmas, was the first scene where it's snowing and the weather is so bad and yet they go into the, the pub and it's warm in there and cozy and everyone mm. knows each other. And yeah, it's kind of escapism, but I loved it. And also too, Sue Nolan is the school teacher at the time. And even though Barry has Patricia as his first love, he's fond of uh, Sue. And I was a little disappointed in later books when Sue becomes such a feminist. I mean, I thought she was going to be just a small town school teacher. But I guess as your, your books broadened in scope and you covered more real life events, that's how Sue's changing fitted into things. But I would just have to say that my favorite parts of the books are the naval scenes and also the scenes in Valley Buckle Bow, the ones that are, say, non-controversial, the, the cozy ones. And, and I, I love Kitty. Deirdre, to me, she always seems sort of like a little girl. But um, Kitty was a mature woman. And, and I maybe because we met Kitty before we met Deirdre, that's why I like her a little bit better. But I love this series. And I, I'm so grateful to you for, for spending time with us today. Well, it's been my pleasure. I mean, I'm reaching the <laughs> stage of the old house, but in that, except that, uh, I don't get too many of these gigs to do anymore. And I always enjoy them because you guys, the guys in the audience are just so, God, it's made it worth, people, talking to people like you just made it worthwhile writing the book. Forget I get paid for it too, and I don't object to that either. And it's guys like <laughs> It's really nice when there's an audience out there. I hear your criticism, they are valid. But you have to write for what you perceive may be your audience these days. And anybody of my age who tries to pretend that feminism doesn't exist needs a brain transplant, and it would probably reject them. I don't think I could get these books published today. In the local jargon, they're not diverse enough. And well, please understand, it, it wasn't a criticism. It was just a comment. No, but, but I, I don't regard anything anybody says about my books is criticism. It's comments. I've had some really, if I ever meet you, I'm going to shoot you, Taylor, sort of letters. I mean, 
directly gave me the expression. By, uh, it was a French friend of hers who first met Irish whiskey. Oh, he said, it is so smooth. It is like baby Jesus in velvet trousers. I thought, what a lovely expression. I got this handwritten letter. I was a colonel in the U.S. Marine Corps, and I have never heard such blasphemy. And I hope you roast in hell. If you're conceited enough to put a book out there, then you've got to hear what people think about it. And, and by doing so, it keeps your head small mm -hmm. enough to get through doorways. Darla Gate and Klein. I have a Labrador that's a lot like Arthur Guinness. Yes. She would be the classic Wally napper. She does not understand the concept of pairs for shoes. She likes to hide like all my right shoes or all my left shoes. So I just <laughs> love the Arthur Guinness ones because I can mm. just see my Olivia doing that stuff. I had an, uh, a Labrador, which I called her Tara, which is uh, a hill in County Meath where the high kings of Ireland were crowned. When she got very old, I got pick of litter uh, of a friend of mine, and I called him Arthur Guinness because he was Irish, he was black, and he had a great head on him, just like the Guinness. Mm. So I hope you're enjoying your dog. I love my dogs. Mm. I actually have one named Fingal. Thank you. Hi there. Uh, this is uh, Jody again from New Hampshire. Um, you know, one one comment I wanted to make that I didn't earlier is is the comment about how uh, historically interesting. The books were from the point of view, not just sociologically and politically, but even medically, like, uh, you know, the, the boy that almost lost his foot because he had the uh, stone in the, in the bottom of his foot and how that sort of thing happened. And I know my my great aunt died of a mastoid infection, of course, before penicillin. So the book uh -huh. is so it's so wonderful for, from every aspect, whether it's mm -hmm. the personalities, but also the mm -hmm. the insight into things that we didn't, don't even think about nowadays uh, mm -hmm. that used to be a problem. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for the most wonderful uh, book series I've ever read, and, ha mm -hmm. and happy birthday in yeah. advance. Thank you. I, I, thank you. You're too fine. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Terry Pacheco. Hello again. One other thing that I did want to make a quick comment on is particularly in Irish Country Welcome, I thought it was wonderful the descriptions that you did of Giant's Causeway and so many of the other geological and interesting sites in Northern Ireland. My husband and I have been to Ireland several times, but we had planned to go to Ireland. So we are going next year for our 49th wedding anniversary. And this is the first time actually that we're planning to go to the north. And he definitely wants to get up into Antrim, wants to go to Bushmills. I've always wanted to get to the Giant's Causeway. And I just thought it was, it was so great that in that, in that particular book, you seem to do much more of that kind of thing. And I just really appreciated it. And again, I'm going to thank you all for having Dr. Taylor on tonight and today. And thank you again for all the joy that you've given all of us for so many years. The other person to whom I wish to pay a great tribute is Gregory Manches, who does the cover art for my book. I think he does a fantastic job. And that last one, the front cover is the Giants Caldwell. Honey, so I just want to welcome you to this, this meeting. This has been wonderful. I'm so happy to have the day off and to actually be able to come to this uh, this event because I, I usually miss the community calls. I'm surprised that no one has asked you about the recipes because that's one of my favorite parts of your novels. <laughs> and I wonder who you have. Do you have people testing the recipes before you uh, added them to the end of the novels? No, no, no. Like, 
my wife, Dorothy, is a fantastic. Well, thank you, Dorothy, because they're wonderful. <laughs> I mean, if, if you're if you're interested in that, just you know, I haven't put in a commercial plug up to this point. There's an Irish country cookbook out there with 150 recipes in it. Uh -huh. Oh, fabulous! Written, we will contact the Library of Congress and ask them to, to record it. <laughs> it's got 100, I think 150 recipes, 10 stories by me. And the cook, oh. cookery parts written by Mrs. Kincaid. How wonderful. Oh, that's great. Thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you for coming. We, we all really appreciate yeah. it. Thank you. Yes, yes he, he not only writes fiction, and he writes about the Irish troubles, but he's written a cookbook. You yeah. know, I mean... <laughs> Dorothy wrote it. Dorothy wrote the cookbook. Okay. And and he mentioned Kinky Kincaid. That was the housekeeper, yes. aka oh, triage yes. nurse for Dr. Yeah. O'Reilly. Read an Irish country girl. Yes. Mm -hmm. Irish country mm -hmm. girl. And Kinky yeah. is a fantastic chef. Even yeah. the Lord and Lady of the Manor come to mm -hmm. Dr. O'Fingal O'Reilly's in order to eat her food. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Thank yeah. you so much, Patrick, for yeah, meeting with us today. You. you have made the week for many of us, yeah. made the year probably. Obviously, you have a lot of fans yeah. within our community and people that have come to the call today yeah. know yeah. that you are loved and appreciated. We really appreciate mm -hmm. your time with us today. Yeah, you're very, you're making me feel very humble. Do me a favor, <laughs> will you? Yeah. Keep in mm -hmm. touch. Thank you for joining us today at Writing Works Wonders. Kathy and I are thrilled to spend time with you. Now tap on that button that says subscribe so you will not miss our show. We also have a donate button and that's to help with the expenses that Kathy and I incur in order to keep this show and podcast going. There's a link there that you can tap and that will take you directly to our website at www.writingworkswonders.com. There you will find all the information we talked about today along with show notes and so much more. We want you to feel encouraged and inspired to know the wonder of writing. And until next time, our friends, keep on writing. Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff.